0: Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravali and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com.
1: Welcome to episode 263 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger. And as always, it's brought to you by Batano.ca. Get in the game 19 plus. Please play responsibly. You have a host of games leading up right until the Christmas break this week. Also, a huge one in the NFL tonight. For many of you fantasy owners, you're like, oh, might make or break you for it. So uh, good luck if that's you. Uh, Get in on it. The, the Eagles again on a big game against the Seahawks. As we uh, welcome in Frank Saravalli uh, sporting his uh, Eagles hoodie. Frank, how you doing is uh, Jalen hurts. Uh, he flies across the country in his own plane. I'm guessing he's playing.
2: Yeah. I don't think you fly six hours on a private jet for no reason. I would imagine that they're gearing up for him to play. And by the way, how about them Cowboys? Whew, that was a tough one. It's uh
1: man. It is wide open. In uh, in NFC, and I would say the NFL season. I don't know if if you guys are. Uh, I know Tyler is. If you're in fantasy football leagues or not, but in our fantasy league, the number one seeds in both uh, divisions got taken down in round one. They both wow. lost to the number four and the other ones. And I think honestly, that's how it could be in the NFL this year. There's could be some blowouts. We've seen teams at the top dominate, and boom, they're done. And you know, in the NHL, we're uh, we're starting to see a little bit of separation from some teams. There's still a glut. At the, uh, at the bottom for the wild card. And I do want to start, Frank, with with a player we haven't really talked about a whole bunch this year on the pod, but Nathan McKinnon is absolutely on fire right now. He's got a 15-game uh, scoring streak going. He's up to uh, 47 points. He's within five points of Nikita Kucherov.
2: He's had an incredible year. And we talked about him a little bit last week on Daily Faceoff Live after he basically put Jeff Skinner into the second row of ball arena what a thunderous, unbelievable hit that was. I'm not sure if you saw it, but he's he's really a unique player in today's game, his own skill set. The the force of nature that he is, it's it's like getting hit with a ton of bricks, but he's like that with the puck, charging up the ice. He's got speed. He's like that in front of the net. There's no fear, and... The way that he's played this year, the way that his career has come together, we talked about this too. He's among active players, like one of the fastest to get to 800 points, which he hit last week. And if you consider the group of company that he's in, and if you consider the way that his career started with a couple, I don't want to say meandering seasons for a number one overall pick, but 60, 40, 60 points again, like to get to a level that he's gotten to and sustain it for the last number of years. I mean, there's very few players in the league that are more impressive than Nathan McKinnon. Oh, he is uh he's not when he gets rolling,
1: man, it's a, uh, it's hard to stop him. And what's interesting is he's got 27 points in his 15 game point streak. And uh, he's made up two points on Kutroff in that time, right? Cause Kutroff has 25 in the 14 games since uh, November 20th, the, the race for the top, it's uh, when you want to make up ground on guys, it takes a while uh, to do. Now, McDavid has 28 points in 12 games uh, uh, since McKinnon played 15. So it's close. It's going to be uh, an interesting race. McKinnon, Kucherov, uh, I put McDavid. I think uh, he's obviously going to be in that conversation. And, but, uh, you know, un- ho- unlike last year where there wasn't really a race, I think this year's uh,
2: the race for the Art Ross is going to be quite spectacular to watch. What's going to be better, the race for the Art Ross or the race for the heart? good question
1: um yeah the heart you know kucherov mckinnon you know mcdavid will probably be in the conversation you know william nylander in toronto you know some would say uh, austin matthews but i'd argue that nylander might be their, their most valuable player on that team he's definitely being their most consistent forward stop uh you know start to finish in toronto uh pasternak uh the vancouver guys might cancel each other out uh to be honest so um is the there toronto any guys might see? as well yeah they might. Yeah.
2: I was just, I just finally found that McKinnon stat. So he got to 800 points faster than Stamkos and Kane. And those two guys were shot out of a cannon the first couple years of their career. And he still beat them to 800 points. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. And hey, Nathan McKinnon has been, and I think he had three years of 50 points, I think it was. So it was yeah. uh,
2: 63, 38, 52, and 53. So oh, go, he had boy. four years. And since, since that time, and now McKinnon leads the league this year in assists, he has 600 points in his, 600 on the dot in his last 440 games. So he's 160 points over a point per game. That's yeah. a wild stat. He has almost, he almost has an assist per game, in that's been 377 points, 377 assists in 440 games.
1: Well, the thing about McKinnon that like is just outside of McDavid. I don't think there's any other player, and and they're different in how they're totally different, right? They're different in how they're fast. Like in a straight up race, man, it would be close. I I honestly don't know, especially with the puck on their stick. That's what to me is impressive about most of them. But McKinnon is more of like that power beast. He just he skates through guys. (laughs) Uh at times and he looks so powerful and he gets the crossovers going and all of a sudden it's just, just like he explodes. And it's not so much where it's like he's shot out of a cannon, it's just like it it builds speed. And once he gets up to you, you're like, Oh my God, like no one stops him. He's so powerful. It's he's he's definitely for me. Like when there's certain players I want to watch, he's up there. Um, you know, Kale McCarr is up there. Like Jack Hughes right now is a player that uh, when he's on, I want to watch. Like, there's just some guys where there's certain things they do that are like, oh, this is must must watch TV. And McKinnon's definitely one of them, no doubt. I look at who would be your leader right
2: now in the heart. It's a hard balance between where the team is in the standings, like like so. That's the tough part about this current question. Like the Lightning are out of a playoff spot. I have a pretty hard time saying Kucherov is the MVP of the league. Yeah, valid point. Um, The Leafs have kind of accumulated points. By the way, um, the Rangers, like, I'd be giving Panarin a long look and how ridiculously consistent he's been. He has a point in every single Rangers home game so far this season. Hmm. It got, what what is it got? 42 points on the year? 42 and 39. Or sorry, yeah. 42 and 29. 16 goals. So he's on track for a career high in goals. He's going to smash it. Hey, another guy, David Pastank. See, I'd have right
1: now, today, I would probably have William Kneeliner in my top five for sure. I think he's being really like, Toronto. Everybody knows what their weakness is. Right. Yet uh, they just keep winning games. They find ways to win games that absolutely
2: obliterated the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. We'll talk. Let's talk about that in a second. Let's finish off our our third of the way through heart ballot. So I'd probably go McKinnon one, Pasternak. No, McKinnon one, Panarin two, Pasternak three. But I got to tell you, the longer this goes on, and when when you look at how drastic the turnaround has been for the Oilers in the standings, I have a hard time counting out McDavid from winning the whole thing
1: Oh, yeah, 100 percent. I think that's going to be you know that's definitely going to help him as he, uh, as the season goes along, for sure. So he would be in there. I'm, I'm, but I could see the argument that he might not be in there today, but uh, yeah, I think today I'd have McKinnon number one as well. Based on his play, he leads the league in five-on-five scoring. He's plus 11 at five-on-five at 37 and 26. So, he's, you know, he's outscoring uh, the opposition quite a bit, right? That that to me is where Panarin's, Panarin's five-on-five numbers, goal four against aren't great. So that's probably why it wouldn't be at my top three.
2: Okay, that's fair.
1: Yeah, so. And then the the other tight one, of course, is is going to be the Norse, right? And, um, you know, Quinn Hughes, uh, Cam Carr
2: today. I would have Quinn Hughes slightly. Ahead. Hmm. I, I think that's fair. McCarr. It's been a really weird week for McCarr struggling to stay healthy. Oh yeah.
1: Well, and you know what? You start missing too many games. That does impact you. In, well, boarding. It does. It's the
2: only thing I think that separated him from winning it last year. You know, you, you listen to Jared Bednar yesterday on Sunday, he says McCarr has got a nagging injury. They don't, want to, they don't want to make it worse and they're trying to be safe. So he'll travel with the team. He'll be day to day, but obviously something's bothering him. Yeah. Like the, the big thing, the reason
1: why I have Hughes right now is Hughes is 36 and 18 at five on five. He's been on the ice for fewer goals against than uh, McCarr, despite playing way more minutes than McCarr. Playing all, at five on five, he's played 150 more minutes than Kale McCarr and has been on for two fewer goals against. And he's been on for uh, ten more goals for, so that's why I would have Quinn Hughes today ahead of Kale McCart. Hmm. But it's gonna, you know, it's a fascinating race. It's you no, know, it's interesting. Could you have two teammates from the same team in the final three for the North? Because uh, Philip Ronick has had a great year.
2: <laughs> yeah, he has. I I think he can keep it going, but I'd be surprised if you had two defensemen from the same team. No, no,
1: I know. But you could make you could make an argument that you could. Right. Yep. Like that guy's been unreal. Yeah. He's been unreal. So uh, a few things. um, Give us the update, Frank, on, uh, on the Valamaki situation in the hospital and sitting in the hospital. And uh, obviously it was not something that they want.
2: Yeah. This is a pretty explosive story uh, that we had on daily face off on Friday. Just that there's a clear gap in protocol that allowed Yusuf of the coyotes defenseman to linger in a Dallas hospital after he took a 93 mile an hour puck to the face. Mm. Um, He was in bad shape. And as reported in the story, uh, basically left the arena. So it happened in the third period, left the arena in an ambulance arrives at the hospital and is basically just dropped off like any other patient. And it's like, Hey, see you later. Like we're just leaving you here in the lobby of this ER and, and lucky for him, He had his wife who just happened to be at the road game, and also a member of the uh, Coyote staff, Devin McConnell, who was left behind as the team continued on to Columbus after the game. And he was initially told by the hospital, Hey, um, like, we see you. You know, they gave him a CT scan and they said, You definitely need surgery, but we're not going to be able to do it here. We're focusing on, you know, more acute trauma that's coming in the door, such as gunshot victims. And we can't do anything. So you got to go back to the hotel and sleep it off. Well, it turns out that the internal bleeding was so, I guess, prevalent in his mouth that doctors later told him that if he had gone back to the hotel and slept it off, as the hospital said, there was a chance that he could have asphyxiated on his own blood. So the tough part for Valamaki was He had to get the NHLPA involved. His wife is obviously advocating for his care. Like, no, you got to see this guy. You got to get him help. And the injury happened around nine. They didn't even clean it up. Like, Didn't even clean his face or his mouth until after one in the morning. And then finally put in 55 stitches so that he could at least get some measure of comfort that night to close the wound and stop the bleeding at 2 a.m. And so the response that I saw from a lot of people on social media was, oh, just welcome to the U.S. healthcare system, buddy. This is how it works here. You're just like anyone else, get in line. And my response to that would be, one, that's not how any other league, I don't think, would allow their players to be treated. Do you think NFL players that have a severe issue or a facial injury are sitting and waiting in, NFL, in, in uh, hospital lobbies? No, I don't think NBA or major league baseball guys are getting treated like that either. And so that's the big question from players over the last month since his injury was Would our counterparts be treated the same. So they're asking for essentially, uh, and, and the league, the NHL, the NHLPA are investigating this. Why, where was the breakdown in protocol? Because most NHL teams do not travel with their own doctor. So the coyotes don't have their own doctor on the road and he's, sort of in the care of Dallas Star's doctors, that why didn't they push the envelope with the hospital to make sure that he was either taken care of or that someone from the Star's staff came in and did that surgery themselves? Um, all fair questions to ask. And so um I think part of the reason for the story is from my perspective, one, um, it, it sheds some light behind the curtain of what these guys go through. And two, I think we ask a lot of these players, um, not not as media, but fans in general, um, to play and what they go through. That they should be at least given a proper level of care on the back end of that to ensure that they're not put in those types of situations. Well, there's no question about that, right? I I, I think you know,
1: two things can happen simultaneously. The the this is obviously a breach in protocol that they have to figure out. And then you have to look and say, what if Alamaki was average Joe and the hospital sends him home and he asphyxiates, you know, his his life is no more valuable. Right. So to me, it's the bigger issue here is why were they told to go home and try to sleep it off like that? That to me is the the biggest part. Say, hey, who is the person at the hospital that gave
2: out that genius advice? Well, but here's the other part of it is that as far as anyone can tell to this point. There actually is no violation of protocol. The stars did what they were supposed to do. They evaluated him in the arena, put him in the ambulance. And at that point, he sort of leaves stars care and goes into the care of the hospital. The coyotes did their part because they left someone behind to help advocate and make sure that Valabaki gets the care that he needs, but that person isn't a doctor. And so as far as anyone can tell, there is no violation. There's nothing wrong, nothing happened according to their protocol that would say this situation was broken. But my answer to that would be if the protocol wasn't technically broken, then that means that the protocol itself is broken. that's that's my thought, yeah, and that's fair. and I, I guess the question will
1: become, and this is a bigger one, where is a like is is the health of a professional athlete? more important than people that are, you know, being shot and gunshot and they don't have time to get treated. Right. Like that. So to me, could they have done a better job maybe to have him temporarily comfortable until they can get him to surgery? That's probably valid. Right. Like I, I would, I would assume the hospital
2: might but say, then hey, you're wait taking wait him second. to the, like, what I'm saying is you're taking him to the wrong hospital. Then okay. you're like, like you, something is wrong yes. here. If, if you are so stacked up with other stuff, like then he's got to go somewhere else. To a they private just, facility, right? That, that's, and yeah. that's really the name of the game. NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball guys aren't dropped off at regular hospitals. They just aren't. Mm-hmm. And left to fend for themselves. Yeah, that's, that's just not bad. how it works. And so should professional athletes get better care and treatment? I mean, we're asking them to, as, as we saw in the case uh, in England this season, we're asking them to put their lives on the line for our entertainment. They deserve better.
1: Well, I'd have no problem for it. It would seem now I'm no medical specialist, but it would seem, you know, there, there's going to be private facilities in all the major markets, right? So come up with a, a plan now that looks and says, OK, these are the facilities we use when, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Arizona, Tampa, Florida, when you're in Dallas and you have an injury, then you go to this place. And if you're in Arizona, you go here. If you're in Edmonton, you go here, right? Like that. that would seem to be the first step, I would think.
2: Yeah, I, I'm. All I'm saying is, as the league and the PA, and I don't know what the answer is, as the league and PA investigate it. The point was to bring this to light and to say, "Hey, this is a problem that a bunch of people are unhappy with." The Coyotes players, they're furious. They want answers. The yeah. NHL PA executive board, they want to know what's going on here.
1: Well, speaking of problems, uh, shifting to another one that uh, we saw it come out again, and I know some people think it's, "Oh, this is great. It's really fun," but. It's happening too frequently for me now where you have a person who is clearly not an NHL caliber player dressing in games. And I know that people say, well, if he doesn't play, it doesn't matter. Well, it matters till they play. And I know that Carolina's guy beat Toronto and everyone thought it was funny. Ha ha ha. But, you know, we saw another e-bug situation here, Frank. And I get that some people you know look and say, hey, it's a dream come true. That guy could tell everybody his friend. And I understand all that, but no other league really does it. And is there a simple way to look? Should there be some a clause in the CBA that says you can have an emergency, like you're allowed to, I know and you can have an emergency recall once you've played one player short, but you don't ever want that for goaltenders. So couldn't you just have a quick, easy change that says, you know what, you're allowed emergency recalls
2: for goaltenders that
1: don't have to wait one game where we play
2: with one. Look, we're all suckers for a good story. And Joe O'Brien playing for or backing up for the Dallas Stars over the weekend. Everyone enjoys the story, but there's been way too many of them, to your point, over the last handful of years. It's straight up amateur hour. Like, I, I, And again, I, the, I'm not disparaging Joe O'Brien or any e-bug that's ever played. But even Joe O'Brien, I think, who I believe his day job is, is running, at least according to some of the reports I saw, is running um, a bar, uh, O'Brien's or OB's pub. Uh, like, It'll this guy shouldn't... Yeah, I mean, look, great story. I, lo- like, I love the idea of the average Joe getting a shot. But it, it should be like once in a lifetime, not a few times a season. And the fact that Joe O'Brien, at least according to his Elite Prospects page, hasn't played any level of competitive hockey in five calendar years, it's straight up theater of the absurd that the NHL, time and time again, cannot solve this problem, which is to me insanely simple. Have a third goalie on every team that is exempt from the salary cap situation. We've seen. A number of teams this season still carrying three goalies. The Toronto Maple Leafs carried three goalies for a long stretch of time. The the Montreal Canadiens have carried three goalies. Go, Go through the different teams and lists. There's a reason why the Detroit Red Wings have carried three goalies. No one wants to be in this situation for one. No one wants to lose a decent third goalie option is the real answer because everyone will pounce on that. When you have a good one, like Martin Jones has shown with the Toronto Maple Leafs in a few outings this year, that he is an excellent third goalie option, have it rest outside the cap, have it capped at a point where no team can flex their financial muscle and have that person, you know, you can't have a million dollar third goalie on your team, but somewhere between a a living wage seventy five thousand and two hundred grand for the year to entice a, a decent one to continue to spend life around the team in NHL circles, and when that guy that's on your payroll is not playing like he's not in a situation where he needs to either back up or start, then he's like an extra hand to the equipment staff he's lugging bags, he's like your bullpen catcher this is not a complicated thing to figure out. And the thing that I've heard from board of governors circles is that owners don't want to pay for one additional roster spot that lives outside the salary cap. And I'm like, has anyone seen what franchise values are doing? You look at the ability for teams to add to staff at will around the league. You have some teams that have enormous staff, some teams that have bare bones, it's not hard to add one additional position to a team where you don't have someone that's completely amateur coming out of the stands. In what other league would this happen? Would you have some guy come out of the stands and start kicking field goals in the NFL? I know they made a movie about it, but that's not real life. You wouldn't have someone come out from the stands and and be a reliever in a major league baseball game. Why are we leaving the most important position on the ice to someone that has never really played at a high significant level more often than not as this e-bug. It makes no sense. Well,
1: the one about this. So each team, that'd be 32 goalies. So these are 32 goalies who are playing like in the ECHL, because if you're, if you're a young guy, like in an organization, you're not going to do it because now you're not going to develop. Right. So where are the play? Who are like, are these
2: guys ECHL guys? Yeah, These are 20 NCAA 26 to 30 year old guys who have sort of, you've maxed out your potential trying to play pro hockey. And you'd love to get a taste of what big league life is for a year or two. It's not a permanent position. It's not a, it could be also for someone that is recent. Like, so here's a good example. So Aaron Dell, right. He signed Mm -hmm. a tryout agreement today with the Carolina hurricanes. He's going to come in and, you know, to the Canes to try and win a job with Anti Ranta going to the minors. Freddie Anderson's working his way back from the blood clot. They have made some incredible changes in net over the last couple of weeks because their goaltending has sagged. Aaron Dell didn't have a contract this year. Would he have signed a contract at the, let's call it a theoretical max of 200 grand? Would he have signed for 200 grand this year somewhere to be a third goalie to just sort of, you know play out one last year around the big leagues. Yeah, maybe. Is there someone else that's an AHL guy, an older AHL or older ECHL guy that has been active in the pro ranks for the last number of years that you wouldn't mind in spot duty every now and again, once a season, twice a season, they make two appearances. All all it is is a stopgap until you can actually get someone from your AHL team to then join your team.
1: Yeah, but couldn't you just
2: have an emergency recall that doesn't count against the cap? So, on well, the that'd few be, times, that'd a year be another that happens, way to do just- it. But then the problem is you have teams that abuse that shenanigans. You, you end up with cap shenanigans all the time.
1: Yeah, I, I guess, but they could only dress two goalies, right? So, What's the benefit to have the other guy up there? And and if it is, it's like, hey, he can only stay up there for whatever time, and then he's got to count on the roster, All right? So there, like, there's easy ways to get around it where, um, you wouldn't have to have a third guy around the whole time, but you would have the ability to get one up there when you need one, so you don't
2: have e bugs. Dude, I I just I don't I don't understand why the league hasn't addressed it to this point. We've That's named. Fair. Three to four different possible solutions in yeah, a five or eight minute span. That how long ago were some of these guys? Like how long ago was the uh, was the Scott Foster situation that he played for Chicago? David, the Ayers. Guy in, 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 David Ayers in Toronto. David Ayers Toronto. Like we're talking pre-pandemic. Mm-hmm. Pre-pandemic, and we still have e-bugs dressing in the NHL. It's a great story. My pal Stephen Wino wrote an entire book about it. Go read it. But it's it's amateur hour. No other league would have this happen at the top level. Yeah, I can't I can't argue with that. I
1: think that's that's uh, totally uh, valid. Uh, let's move on to uh, to the Penguins, Frank, and the uh, absolute ass kicking that the Penguins took at the hands of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I I was watching that game, and and I, I see similarities in a pattern by a GM, I felt Dubas, you know, and both times it involves $11 million player that wasn't, wasn't necessarily what they exactly needed. I don't think Toronto needed John Tavares the year they signed him as a free agent. I said it at the time, and, and I still believe it's not that he's a good player, just scored a thousand points, a very good player. Was Eric Carlson really what Pittsburgh needed again to, to pay 11 million when you had other areas of, of weakness? Do you, It's a different team because they're older in Pittsburgh, but to me, it's the same
2: ill-advised big game hunting. Hmm. By the way, just as an aside before we get to this GM part, did this thumping in Toronto raise any red flags for you about the Penguins? Like, there's always extra juice on the line when you have someone that means something to you or your organization going into one of their former homes. And especially with the way, like I personally, it's amazing to me for being such a big media market. And I know that Kyle Dubas was the focus and storyline heading into the weekend, but it's amazing to me how we've never really talked about and really dug into the details of how he was punted from the toronto maple Leafs front office like he tried to strong arm the president of the team and wrestle control and found himself kicked out onto the sidewalk and yet we don't really talk about that and so (laughs) he ends up in pittsburgh after saying that he wasn't going to work again the next week you won't see me working for another team the next week and lo and behold the day that they're announcing Brad tree living, he lands in Pittsburgh. So you have all that play out and this like sort of sideshow that no one ever really seems to reference. Like there was legitimate animosity there. Oh yeah. And so he goes into Toronto and the players are not dumb. They know all this and they roll over and get waxed seven, nothing. Does that not tell you anything about the makeup of the Penguins? Or is it just one night? Yeah,
1: I think it's more just like I got Sidney Crosby. It's hard for me to think that, you know, there was any sort of um, that, to me. I, I wouldn't go deeper than that. I, you know, they, they finally got their power play going. I, I thought they were going into Toronto with a lot of confidence, right? Like their power play had finally woken up. And uh, they're coming in on two, a two-game winning streak. Granted, not against any dominant teams by any stretch, but still, uh, I think it kind of shows more. So Toronto probably Toronto has had goaltending issues. They've had injuries on the back end, up front, and they just keep getting points. and And then they wax the Penguins. I think it's probably more of a you know, compliment to to Toronto and what they've done uh, this year with all the injuries to their team. and 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 even when they're healthy, some would still say their defense core isn't what you'd want it to be. Yet. They always win. And that just wasn't a win, Frank. That was a complete, like, just a, a you don't see seven nothing very often. And it no. was full marks for seven nothing. They controlled that game.
2: Yeah. And I think that's, I get the positive angle of it from Toronto. Milk, milk, squirt, squirt, continue to get points. All, it's all the, it's the name of the game. When you get off to a good start in the NHL, no matter what's thrown at you, injuries, you're on your third goalie, you know, missing, half your defense core just keep milking points you're going to be fine and toronto has done a really really good job of that despite whatever's been thrown at them so i'm not knocking them at all but i, I i'm just there's something about this pittsburgh team that i just something's off and i don't no, know what fair. it is
1: yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I think like, it's more than one game though yeah i think that might have been that might have been the poster and the spotlight to show what the issues are in Pittsburgh because they, they had other games like that. They look where they are in the standings, right? Look where they are in the standings they're right in now. 13th today,
2: place in the East. They're on track for 82 points. Montreal they're, they're is like, they're, ahead like, of them. Montreal is tied in points percentage. Um, and Montreal has played one more game. So when you look at the pens, like I, they're not like a little bit far back. They're on track for 10 points back. Or 13 points back of the playoffs. Oh, yeah, they're not close. And how's it going to get better? Like, now what? So, you've already traded your first round pick. Like, you're more or less out of capital. You've got a second, and you've got basically no cap space. I don't know. What do you do? Uh,
1: I, I don't know if they can, they might be better off to move some guys out
2: if they could and try to get something for them. Well, maybe he, Kyle Dubas kind of hinted at that, that he, he was going to give them a few weeks to figure out who they were. But I, I I think they're going to have to consider that once they get to a certain point, like, do you start with you, maybe some of your more valuable pieces? Like, do you start with Jake Gensel? Well, that, that to me is the risky one, right? Because Jake Gensell, amongst their
1: best players, he's their youngest one by quite a bit. And so, if you move him out, he gets you the most in he's return. Still twenty nine. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's fair.
1: But yeah, that's a risky one. You move him out. Um, I wouldn't. Why say is it it's risky? Only, like I, I would say
2: that's the only guy that makes sense.
1: Well, you move him out, but then are are you committing then to starting to try to rebuild? It,
2: aren't we just talking about the inevitable here? Maybe. But do they want like to when you miss the playoffs two weeks in a row or sorry, two years in a row, you're like you're not you're not close. Yeah.
1: Well, I wonder, Frank, would uh, well, then you have the then it becomes a, a much bigger conversation to to say, OK, Sid, do you want to be here? During the rebuild, we owe to it whatever you want. If you're good, you want to stay or you want to retire. Of course, we'll have Sidney Crosby retire as a Pittsburgh Penguin, obviously. But you have the conversation say, hey, do you want to be part of a rebuild or do you want to move on? Because I'll tell you, Frank, if he says, eh, I might want to compete, that's the guy that has all the value more than Jake Gensi does. But
2: I'm I'm assuming that's not going to be an in season conversation. You could be right. But here's the back end of it. Chris Letang, four more years. Oh yeah. Eric Carlson, three more years. How? Well, those
1: guys are, yeah, those aren't the ones you're moving. It's Crosby. Uh Malkin has two years after this year. Gensel. Yeah, like, you know, obviously they try to get rid of Jeff Carter. I'm not sure anybody's taking him. So no. it is going to be fascinating to watch what Pittsburgh does, man. But to me, if they if they trade Gensel, then I think it is the it's the beginning of the end. And he's not the main guy there, of course, but and if Sydney Crosby, but the thing we're proving here, even with Sidney Crosby on your team, you could miss the playoffs three years in a row if you don't have a good supporting two, cast.
2: Yeah, two. It would be two years in a row. Uh, Crosby and yeah, and Malkin both healthy. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's a good. That's the scary part. Is the health. Yes. Yep. So.
2: Yeah, and you wonder, like, you
1: know, Penguins fans, they have uh, they have had a great run. There's, you can't argue it. They got, you know what? They had some lean years between Lemieux and Crosby, but trust me. You would take cha- you would take cha- take that all day long. Someone says, "Hey, you know what? We're gonna stink. We're gonna have some top picks, but then we're gonna get Crosby, and then we're gonna get win three cups. You know, over the next decade. Yeah, you take that all day long. And they were competitive. Lots of those other years that they didn't win, they're in the playoffs. what, they fourteen years in a row until they missed? I think last year. So you uh, or fifteen even. So I look at the time. At, uh, it's all
2: said and done. By the time they really begin tearing it down, it's gonna be two two full decades. Of being one of the best teams in the league. Yeah. And three cups. Yeah.
3: Lots of drama along the
2: way. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have to have some, for sure. I mean, you've had a lot of coaches in and out, uh, a few GMs in and out, um, an ownership change. There's been a lot that's happened over these last two decades in Pitt, a new arena. um, But it's hard to argue with the success that they've had. It's just that... I say this all the time. Father time remains undefeated. Like you cannot outrun it. And the Penguins have done a really good job trying to for a long time, but it sure feels to me like as well as Sidney Crosby's played, he can't just strong arm them into the playoffs. No. Well, and, and here's the thing, Frank, I know
1: you say it's an off season conversation, but the truth is Sidney Crosby's value at this year's trade deadline will be the highest because that gives you two runs on his current contract. Two
2: playoff I'd be through. I'd be shocked if he th- throws in the towel in season. But I, I don't dis- depending I don't on disagree. where they are in the standings because I don't think as as interesting and wide open as the East is. There's still only six points out of a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, well, five technically, right? With the Capitals who have 34, so um, and they have 29. So you're right, but I, I'll say this: we'll have to revisit this conversation in early February.
2: I, I, yeah, Uh, the Crosby part or the Penguins part? No, the Penguins part. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say I'd be, I don't think. I agree with you. I'd be shocked. I'm just saying if we're talking about
1: the best value and teams would trip over themselves to get Crosby for two years, we all know that, right? Like if you were ever going to do it, that would be the time to do it. I know it's hard, but usually the best decisions are the hardest decision. Mm -hmm. Let's bring in uh, Tyler, your to the pod.
0: Ty, how are you doing? I'm doing good, gentlemen. I'm rocking my Buffalo Bills sweater with pride after last night's big win. I'm going to have, I guess he's not a producer on this show, but uh, our boy Gavin Turnick is a diehard Cowboys fan. And I was talking some shit yesterday because I felt good about that win. Um, anyways, today's edition of Buy or Sell is brought to you by DoorDash, where for a limited time, our Canadian listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 more. All you need to do is download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code NATION25. Make DoorDash your holiday hack this holiday season. A lot of talk over the weekend about a potential goalie trade and how the market's kind of developing there. We obviously had Carolina put Anti Ranta on waivers. The roster freeze comes December 20th at midnight. We will see a goalie traded before the freeze. Frank, buy or sell?
2: Um, I'll buy. I think the one team I'm looking at are the Kings. I. Phoenix mm. Copley's really struggled this year and I don't think they trust David Riddick. So that'd be the one team I, I could see making a move in net. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm selling. I, I don't see it. Uh, we're talking Wednesday night at midnight, so I don't, uh, I don't see it happening, but I do think there's going to be some activity, uh, in early January. There's lots of teams. I think we, you know, Carolina's obviously looking at Edmonton. It's been, uh, uh, discuss it a long time they're in a really hard spot i don't know how the hell you convince a team to take jack campbell unless you back up the truck uh to do it and you know la is a backup it's an interesting one there's lots of teams that would like to upgrade their uh, goalie position which is uh, just shows you how difficult it is to find two solid goalies.
2: yeah so it's actually uh tuesday night by the way it's 11:59 p.m local time on tuesday the 19th Oh, it's the 19th. Oh, and okay, it runs it uh day. it ran it runs through 12.01 a.m. on December 28th. Oh wow, then no chance.
0: That would make sense because the, the article I read said it started at midnight on the 20th, but I guess that is technically the 20th midnight on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, well, now I've confused myself, so I'll move on. Uh all right. When you think back to the start of the season and preseason expectations and things like that. The idea that both the Canes and Devils are kind of struggling the way they are. It's very surprising. I'm going to say one of the Canes or Devils misses the playoffs this year. you buying or selling, Jay? I will sell. I
1: uh, I still think that they're they're both going to find a way to get in. Carolina is actually in a playoff spot yep. in New Jersey with games in hand. Um, is just slightly uh, right there. Washington, just Washington, Detroit, I, I don't have uh have that much faith in that, that they're going to get there. I still think uh, Carolina and New Jersey actually could end up being uh two, three in their own division because they're uh, they're what four points back of the flyers and three back of the Islanders mm-hmm. uh, are two. the devils. Yeah. Oh. Um, so no, I think the, uh, the devils will, uh, will, uh, will get in uh, as will the hurricanes. But uh, as I said at the start of the year, I didn't have the devils as one of my legit cup contenders and people scoffed me. I just, I, I, you don't win with that much youth on defense, and I just think they got too many small forks.
2: Uh, I will sell as well. I think both teams get in. I think what's been most surprising for me watching the Devils is really how they play down to their competition. Like they've got some bad losses this year. Getting smacked by the Ducks, no bueno. Having the Sharks get their first road win against you, no bueno. So I, I that part. Is alarming. And I, I look at the the Devils and I go, okay, but they're seven and three in their last ten. Like, how bad has it really been? The answer is not that bad, but they've shown a certainly a lack of maturity in addition to the injury issues that they've had. So that part is interesting. And and the Canes, like, they haven't really played well for any chunk of this season. They're three, four, and three in their last ten, and somehow they've climbed now back into a playoff spot. It's bananas.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's been something. All right, third one I got for you. We will head out west where the Winnipeg Jets, they just keep on humming along. Two-game winning streak. couple of impressive wins in there. I'm going to go ahead and say, Kevin Sheveldoff will be an aggressive buyer and move his first-round pick before the deadline this year. Buy yourself, Frank.
2: Come back. Have Jay answer that first. I want to look something up first. Okay. Ooh, that's a
1: really good question. The, the Jets... Trying to think, when's the last time they moved to first? Um, that's a really it. good question. I, uh, you know what, I'm gonna say they will. Uh, I think Winnipeg's got a. You know what? You've got a. You've got one of the best goalies in the league. You. Uh, you've got a lot of good forwards. You know, if they can stay close without Kyle Connor, I think that will show their team just uh, show the management just how deep of a team they have. You get rid of your best goal scorer for six to eight weeks, and you're still there. If they do that then yes. That so that's my caveat. It all depends on how they do here these next 6 weeks without Connor.
2: So they've traded for first round. They've traded their first round pick for help. In 2018 they got Paul Stasny. And 2019 they got Kevin Hayes, which it's almost kind of hard if you squint to remember Kevin Hayes as a Winnipeg Jet. Yeah. yeah. Um, like Stasny worked out cuz
1: they resigned him, right?
2: Right, but so, the the just it's always interesting to look who those picks ended up becoming too, right? So, it was 29th overall, and that became Rasmus Sandin. And in 2019 for Kevin Hayes, it ended up being Vili Hainola. Now, more recently, they've gotten first round picks from other teams. Yes, they got a first for Jacob Truba in 2019. Uh, meaning they got their pick back. That's how it ended up being Hinola, And they got a first for Andrew Kopp when they sold off a, in 2022. I am going to say... You're asking me if I think Kevin Chevaldeoff will trade his first-round pick. I'm going to say no. I am selling. All right. All right. I think he'll continue to make moves, but I think if anything... What we've seen from the Jets, at least over the last couple deadlines, is that they feel like they can find pretty good fits without having to give up a first. I think Nemestikov is a great example. Uh, He's fit. Nino Niederreiter has fit. They didn't have to give up first, and they still found a way to improve their team. The only way they give
1: up a first is if it's a guy with term, though. I'll say that. I don't ever think they're giving up for a pure rental.
0: Yep, yeah, that's probably fair as well. But the Jets are looking good right now. Uh, that is a wrap on this week's edition of Buy or Sell. Everything you need to throw that big holiday party, you can get it delivered right to your door with DoorDash.
1: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
3: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Frank, a few other quick things before we go. Um, Ranta and Carolina, what, what do you make of that? Um, is it just, hey, we're putting him in that he's got to try to find his game and that's what they're hoping to do? Or do you think he's somebody that they would move?
2: No, I, I mean, I think they would move him. Um, I think he pu- clearly has to find his game. I mean, 12 starts this year, 854 save percentage. Like, you're not even close. Jack Campbell went down to the AHL with 872, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So that's, um, you've got a long way to go to find your game. And Ranta, you know, that's the one thing that I... I you know, sort of questioned about the logic of the Canes running it back this year with their goaltending is every time you turn around, Anderson and Ranta have been hurt one or the other. It's like, they're never both healthy at the same time. So then I I was thinking, okay, well then they've got Kochetkoff there. And that makes sense. And he can be their guy that kind of fills in, but he's really struggled this year. And it's like, Goaltending is maybe the one thing keeping this team out from being neck and neck with the Rangers in the Metro. So oh, yeah, they, they brought in Yarrow Halak earlier this year on a tryout that didn't materialize into a contract. And, and part of the issue is for the Canes, they don't have an AHL affiliate. So they have to kind of take you and stash you somewhere. If you want to try and find your game, they're the only team in the league that doesn't have an AHL affiliate. So it's, it's a weird situation and that's led to some issues with PTOs this year, going back to training camp where it was like, Hey, uh, would you sign a deal in the AHL? And it's like, well, where am I going? And how am I getting back here if you don't have any room for me? So that part has led to some confusion. Um, I think the Dell PTO is interesting, but I don't, I don't see any ready-made solutions there. Like it kind of feels to me like they have to go out and get someone for a team. That's right in the heart of their competitive window. Like it would be a shame to have this season wither away on goaltending alone.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. And you know, Rance is only making 1.5 mil, uh, which would make him probably easier to, to acquire in a deal His contracts done at the end of the season. Um, I look at, uh, um, I think Carolina is just going to say, hey, this guy's been pretty good for us for whatever reason. He's lost his mojo this year. Go down the minors, play some games, feel good about yourself. And maybe in a, in a month, you see him back, right? I, I you
2: know, that's well, what is go. back. Like here, like, not, I'm not shitting on, but I'm not shitting on Ranta. Look at his games yeah. played 12 this year, 26 last year, or sorry, 27 last year, 28 the year before, 12 the year before that, 33 the year before that, 12 the year before that. Like, he hasn't even made it to a half season of games in six full seasons.
1: Well, yeah, well, he was basically their backup with
2: Freddie Anderson, right? But he's and not he's healthy. Up. He's never healthy. Oh, I know. Yeah. The, one of the big abilities that we say all the time is dependability and reliability. Like, I'm sorry, you have zero.
1: Oh, I. I you're not getting an argument. I think they would look elsewhere, but I'm saying looking elsewhere, Frank, there's not a lot of options, right? Ask Ken Holland in the orders. They've been scouring everywhere. Well, first of all, it's really hard to trade Jack Campbell because you're gonna have to give up so much to get rid of him that it, you know, that then you don't have anything, you don't have any bullets left in the chamber to try to fill out the other holes in your roster that you were hoping to maybe use your first round of this year to acquire something. That's the problem with Edmonton, is they can't, they'd have to give up so much just to get rid of Jack Campbell that probably doesn't make any sense. And So I think Carolina, you look and say like, realistically, who are the goalies you could trade? I guess Jake Allen, if you're Carolina, you might be able to figure out a way to get Jake Allen out of Montreal, but do you see any other realistic options that are like, okay, I'd feel comfortable. Like Mackenzie Blackwood um, is probably maybe the other one in San Jose, but you know, I don't even know if the sharks feel they're a rebuilding team. Frank, they keep adding all these veteran guys. And they're like the other day, their coach is like, Ooh, well. I'm a, you know, I'm peeking at the standings all of a sudden and I'm just like, what? I don't know what their direction is. So do they, maybe they don't want to trade Blackwood cause they want to compete
2: again next year. Like I don't get it, but I, I would get one of the guys in Detroit and I've said it forever. Like I, James Reimer, Reimer. Would be my guy. Yeah. His so, numbers are good. His contract are is good. they asking too much? Why haven't, there, why how, hasn't How he could you, how could mm-hmm. you ask for too much? Like what is too much? So why hasn't he been acquired then? To my question. I, I, don't, I think
1: people just aren't a believer. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. They're not a believer that Reimer is the answer. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's fair. You know, like, he, he probably could be like a like a split-duty answer, maybe. I think at best. Like, at what, is, what
2: is he going to cost you at the very
1: most? Oh, God. Goalies hardly cost you anything, usually. So, a sixth-rounder?
2: No, it's more than that. But, like, Four? let's just say, like, on the craziest day, it's a third. Sure. Is that not, if you're the Canes, like, is that not worth it? I would think so, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I He's like the
1: model of consistency for me. But, now you mentioned LA is an interesting one in the goalie sweepstakes. You think they're going to be aggressive? And by
2: by the me? way, before we move on from the Canes, Freddie Anderson back skating again. They think it's going to be about a month, but that's he's been good. cleared to skate. And after that scary blood clot issue, he's getting close. So that's good. Well, news. their option. That's their well, Frank, let's be real. There's no better option than if
1: if Freddie Anderson comes back from this and it's blood clots and you know what they say that hey, the chances of it returning are very low, then that's your best answer. It's not even close, right? Are you willing to let another month slip by? Well, yeah, I think they're in a playoff spot now. I think they're good enough. They feel like we just got to get in the dance. We don't have to finish. And real, like, look at them, Frank. Look at that division. The as as struggles as they've been. They are two points behind Philly and one behind the Islanders for second and third in the Metro.
2: Yeah. I don't think the Flyers or Islanders are striking the fear of God in anyone.
1: Yeah. So I think if you're Carolina, you don't, you're in a position where you don't have to panic because
2: you can still make the playoffs and you probably could still get home ice advantage. I, I would still, I would still want something to feel warm and snuggly at night, Uh, but that's just me. But isn't that Freddie Anderson's being on the ice now? Because if he's
1: skating, that's obviously a good sign.
2: Uh, I mean, let's... But let's be real, though. Like, they got yeah, to the point too, this weekend... He's hurt all, often, but they got to this weekend where they called up Yanev Peretz. Yeah, Who played only exclusively in the ECHL this year. <laughs> now, again, weird situation that they have that they only have an ECHL affiliate and not an AHL affiliate. So he probably would have been playing in the AHL for someone had they had their own team. Yeah. Why don't they, they basically had a dispute with the Chicago wolves last year over how their players were managed. And Chicago said, okay, we don't need you as an affiliate. We'll, we'll be independent.
1: Hmm. Well, there you go. Now here's the thing, Frank, if you look, and I also think like, Kochkev's numbers actually lately have, they've been trending in the right direction, right? Which I think is good for them. Kochetkov. Kochetkov, yeah. What did I say? Like his last few starts are 952, 962, 969. That's three starts in a row. Like he's trending in the right direction for sure. After a, a long stretch of being in the wilderness and not being able to make a save, he's only allowed three goals on his last, what's
2: that, The 79 shots pretty good yeah it it's all it's it's fine uh, just are you willing to roll the dice how how risky are you willing to be
1: yeah well i think with freddie anderson coming back i think they're honestly frank they're gonna roll the dice and they're gonna play you know kutch uh they're gonna play their main guy what
2: Coach eight of the Zeta. next 10, nine of they're,
1: the next they're 10. dead
2: last in, in the nhl and save percentage yeah
1: i know but you can't when you're that bad if you only look at that all year long you'll drive yourself crazy. They're going to start and say from this time forward, this is what our goalie's given us, we're happy with that for the next month, right? Like he's obviously not going to
2: only allow 3 goals in every 79 shots, of course not. What about but- Veg Melka by the way? He's another guy that I think is is certainly out there and available from the Coyotes who he, he's had a bit of a rough year by his own standards. Yeah. And I happen to really like Malka. Well, he we just pitched I'm a not saying out. for Carolina, but since we're talking goalie, not goalie in general, Ingram has been so good in in Arizona. Arizona by the way, top 10, eighth in the league, tied for sixth in in save percentage. Well, he, Ingram started what? 10 of the last 12 games
1: for for Arizona. Now uh uh Vejmelka just pitched a shutout. So maybe that's maybe that's his turning point. It is only one start, but he's only made um, two starts in the last 12 games. He made games, so
2: like- little money and he's young-ish at 27. Like he'd be the guy for me all day long. Like I think oh. he's a solid 1A, 1B guy in the NHL. 100%. But if you're Arizona, what's why is there any reason to trade him? What's the reason? That, he's, he's a guy of value. It's not going to hurt with the way Ingram's played this year. He's not, it's not going to hurt your team to move him. You think you can play Ingram that
1: much though? Why not? I, well, I guess if your goal is just to make the playoffs and then get trounced because your starters played 60 plus games, I guess, but ideally you, you need it. You want to back up the play more. If, to me, if I'm Arizona, I'm like, Hey, guess what? We had Connor Ingram step up. Now we have a good competition. We've seen how good veg has been for us. Goalies are voodoo. I would I wouldn't give
2: up on him. I agree with you that he has value. And you know, maybe a team's really willing to. Maybe you wait until the offseason to cash in on that and sign another guy that plays behind Ingram. But even then, look at like look at trade values for goalies. But then you're gonna have to pay him again.
1: Well, not if he doesn't have great numbers. Yeah. Right? Like, I just it's funny about trade, like when you get two good goalies, trading like. How many times have we seen a goalie really get good value in return? Pretty rare. Like, like is Dwayne Rollison the last goalie who got acquired for a first-rounder? I have to look that up. Like, I'm trying to think. I'm, saying, I'm trying to think of other ones. Like, it just doesn't happen very often, right? And it's such an important position. It's hilarious to me. How how teams are like, wow, there's only two goalies on the team and we really need one, but we're not going to give you very much for it. And teams are like, okay, I'll trade them. Like, just look at the history of goalie trades, man. Like, they rarely get the
2: return for, like, teams will give up first rounders. No, the, first, the the last one, I think, was Ryan Miller.
0: What did Marc-Andre that Fleury go for a couple more years recent ago? Than,
2: pardon? What that?
0: Marc-Andre Fleury, what did he go for a couple years ago?
2: Second. Oh. God, that was just a salary dump. Remember? No, he he went from Chicago to. Yeah, but uh, it wasn't for for a second.
1: Yeah. Second rounder. So,
2: so Ryan Miller got a first. Yes. Okay. What year was that? 2015, I think. What? Really? Ryan Miller traded. 2014 trade uh, deadline. Twenty fourteen. He, he was yeah. traded
0: with Steve Ott to the Blues for Yarrow Halak. Chris Stewart will carrier a first round pick and a third round pick at the deadline.
1: Wow. Hmm. Well, there you go. That's <laughs> Steve Ott was worth
2: a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, actually, Otter is a good guy, but um, Steve Ott kept his job this week. Yeah. Despite a brutal power play in St. Louis, which he yeah. runs. Mm-hmm. Found that interesting.
1: But really, if you look at the history of goalies, yeah, you, know, you don't normally get value for them. Like, look at what other players have gotten for. Like, we've seen guys. We Paul Gostad got a first rounder. For God's sakes, he's a
3: fourth okay, round player. Just, you're, yeah, Four you're talking about.
1: I, but i'm talking about outliers. Yeah. Okay, but that happens. We we've seen lots of other players who are bottom six forwards get more in return than a goalie, who I think we would all agree is a more important position. Yes. So it just so that's why, if I'm Arizona, I'd be very hesitant to trade him because I don't think you're going to get the now maybe, hey, like we said, maybe somebody's going to do it, but history tells me you won't. And then all that's going to happen is now Arizona is going to spend three years trying to find another guy who they can rely on. And he did have a tough start to the year, but look at the bigger picture for goalie. Like he's not old enough. Like Frank, I don't think he's, he's aging. Right. He's not at the point where all of a sudden you'd be like, oh, my God, this guy's aging. This is no, he's a couple years, years older than
2: up. Carter Hart, I think.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I would be patient with him. And if anything, you're just like, hey, you know what this does? This helps us and it's contract negotiation. Uh, if, if it continues to struggle that we don't have to back up the Brinks truck for him. It's probably better for us. Hmm. But I will say, Connor Ingram, Hey, shout out Kevin Woodley from Ingo Magazine because he called Ingram and Lingren He said those are his two guys he was really looking at a few years ago to, that could play, and so far, they've played. One last one before I let you go, Frank. Are the Ottawa Senators at the point now where they just want to get a high draft pick because <laughs> they haven't made any move to their coaching staff? Like I know they got to 500, and all they've done is lost four in a row since. So I can't although, figure that team
2: out. Yeah, makes no sense to me. Between them and Buffalo, I honestly don't know which one is more frustrating. It's a good call. Um, I, I just, I, I think here's the the part that I struggle with. Every piece of intel that I can glean to this point Sens management and sends ownership. They don't they don't want to make a change. They don't want a coaching change. They're trying to quiet the noise. But with each loss, the volume on DJ Smith gets turned up a little bit more. Like at some point, aren't you just you know trying to swim upstream in the wrong direction? Wouldn't it be more settling if you just made the coaching change? You can't you can't tell me now that with the quality of coaches that are out there and available, whether it's Jay Woodcroft, Dean Evison, Craig Barube, whoever it is that you like. You can't yeah. tell me that there aren't qualified candidates that are sitting out there and available now with the changes this year. And to me, it would make more sense
1: to do it during the season. So you, now the coach has a feel the players know by the end of the year, they'll know exactly what the player wants. So you're not starting next year when you have a new coach coming into training camp, and now you're playing catch up on all the other teams because you're trying to figure out a new system and the other teams are already on the ground running skating, I guess, because they know what they're doing. It would make way more sense to do it and as you mentioned with some quality candidates to to do it during the season no doubt in my mind are they already out
2: of it a hundred percent
1: like is their season already over yes They got a 423 points percentage i like they're behind buffalo like everybody's like oh yeah they got all the games in hand well who cares they're 11 and 15 are they suddenly gonna win all six of their games in hand like no they're, they're 12 points but behind the, the other team. Like the, yeah, they and are by the way, 12 Greg,
2: behind Washington and wash. They only have two games in two hand. games in hand.
1: Exactly. No, I think Ottawa's is done they're, It's a, it's another disappointing because they, they need a coach because clearly the one thing, and, and it's not, we can argue if they have enough good players, but here's the thing. Their coaching staff has been unable to get Ottawa to improve defensively. That's being proven the numbers don't lie. Look at their goals against that's their issue, it's been their issue, it's not improving. Yeah. So, to me, it's insanity thinking that well, we'll just keep them here. And you know what? We want stability. Yeah, you want stability at being a loser. That's well, what your stability is.
2: That's I thought Ian Mendez had a great column today in the athletic because he basically said a lot of what we're saying, but in not in kinder terms, but he said we're now bordering on the point where you're confusing stability with complacency. Yeah. And I think that's a 100%. perfect way to phrase it. Yes.
1: Like it's, I think they've got a lot of good players in Ottawa and I think there's, they should not be this bad. I'm not saying they're a cup
2: contender. I didn't have, I didn't even have them as a playoff team this year. But what's their I, ex- like- I, I come back to this all the time. What's their excuse for being eight points back or whatever it is of the Montreal Canadiens? Yeah. Fair point. There isn't one. And, and there's, I know there's six games in hand, but there's seven back of the Sabres who haven't been good in their own right. Yeah. And by the way, they still have a lower points percentage in the
1: Sabres. So, correct. Um, yeah. Like it's, I'm, I'm perplexed. Like when I look at the most disappointing teams in the NHL, I think Ottawa is number one.
2: And the Sabres are number two.
1: Yeah, probably, followed by the Penguins. Mm hmm. Right. Uh, have yourself a wonderful week. As uh, we, uh, the uh, trade deadline is uh, midnight on Tuesday, or I guess eleven fifty nine on Tuesday. However, you want to word it. And we'll see. Probably not much, but uh, lots of interesting games for teams leading up to here. Uh, an interesting week. Uh, lots of teams and some games I want to watch. And uh, Nathan McKinnon can he get to the twenty game mark? On can a I get
2: three? to Can I get to day two on the Daily Faceoff Survivor Pool? That that's yeah. what's interesting. Now, people, if you want to go
1: there, maybe you can help Frank. Maybe what you should do is you should go sign up. If you're not already there, go to dailyfaceoff.com. Look at the Wendy Survivor Pool because there's all sorts of daily uh, great prizes you can get, uh, including Frank's uh, new fave, the uh, the French Toast Strips, right? They have all those. But you can be a good teammate to Frank. Maybe tweet at him who you're Mm -hmm. picking, and then he'll just piggyback off of your picks to try to get to Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe even Thursday. So uh, check it out, and by the way, it's community. If you haven't joined, join now. You can still
2: win the grand prize. Get on a run. Get on a heater. I'm just I'm not I'm not loving any part of this today. That wow, like the, the, picks, the picks. This 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 pool is like legitimately hard. Well, let me look at the picks for a second. so I, I so it's you got for, for this, so this is today Monday the 18th. You can go Detroit over or under three and a half goals. Stars over 30 and a half shots. Moe Sider over two and a half. I don't like any of the shot props. I'm not a shot prop guy. So I'm never going to do that. Jared McCann to score a goal. Kirill Kaprizov to score a goal. Flames over 18 and a half hits. Montreal to beat Winnipeg, which I don't like. And Sidney Crosby under a half a point. So meaning held scoreless. I don't love that. I think I'm going to go with Sam Reinhardt to get one assist. Oof. It's not like none of it's pretty. I don't love it. It's hard. Hard as hell. Get in on the daily face-off survivor pool.
1: Calgary over 18 and a half hits, buddy. Come on. Pick a home game. Their first. That's the one you save for a home game because they always get more hits at home. Most teams do. So mm-hmm. that's my little tip for the okay. week on that. Have a good week, Frank. We'll talk to you on Thursday.
0: Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Sarvali and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode.